Join us for the next Kundalini After Dark session on Zoom. Visit brentspirit.com slash after dark to register. See you then. So the witch wound, the witch wound. So Kimberly Jones coined this term, the witch wound. And she used it to describe the legacy of the dark times when women were burned at the stake for being witches. Of course, you know, people having spiritual experiences being ridiculed. There's this uh, period in history where particularly women were quite literally lit on fire and burned to death because of their experiences, because of their gifts, because of the way that they were experiencing the world. Sounds pretty extreme, almost like it's exaggerated, but it really did happen, right? This is historical stuff. It did happen. And, um, you know, if we compare our time now to those times, we're in very different times, but yet still this wound, the witch wound, seems to persist for many of us. I know I have it, you know, many of us do. And it seems to be a, a cultural wound that's sort of uh, ingrained deep within uh, the culture, right? That we, we fear those with, you know, some spiritual capacities, if you will. And of course, the witch burnings themselves were definitely not the only instances of, uh, you know, those with spiritual gifts, Kundalini awakenings, uh, you know, being persecuted, being killed, right? Of course, we think of probably the most famous incidents of this sort of thing happening. We think of Jesus, Jesus Christ, right? You know, very evolved, very awake, very aware person, right? And a lot of many spiritual gifts, the ability to perform miracles, the ability to captivate an audience and to share some, you know, teachings at the leading edge that maybe were a little bit contradictory to what was going on in the culture at the time. And of course, what happened to Jesus? Well, they crucified him, right? They crucified him. Um, not the only one as well. And, and as we know, crucifixion wasn't, Jesus wasn't the first person to be crucified. It was a punishment that they had for many different things, but I'm sure that he wasn't the only one to ever be crucified for, you know, uh, having some spiritual, uh, things to talk about that were a little bit different than what was going on at the culture at the time. Of course, afterwards, there've been many martyrs, right? People also killed, tortured for their spirituality. Now, and today, fortunately, like I was saying, you know, there's a very low likelihood that any of us will be, you know, crucified or burned at the stake. However, uh, there are still some very, very painful things that some can go through, that some people do go through, that I'm willing to bet many of us have gone through uh, throughout our journeys, which is, of course, um, you know, being shunned, being judged, being ridiculed, being labeled, being bullied maybe being sent off, locked up somewhere where we don't want to be against our will because people have labeled us or interpreted our experiences through their own lens, right? Being called crazy, right? This is maybe not the same as being burned at the stake, but the, uh, the impact is, is very, very difficult to deal with, very difficult. And, uh, you know, it can lead to some serious, serious challenges that people have, um, you know, with addiction, challenges in relationships, self-worth issues, it's essentially it's trauma, right? It's trauma, it's pain, it's a wound that we carry. So this is, of course, like I said, it's a collective wound. It's ingrained in our culture. Um, some of us also bring it into this lifetime from prior lifetimes, where maybe we were witches, for example, that were burned at the stake. Maybe we were uh, experienced some sort of, um, you know, significant abuse because we were having these experiences that people didn't want to accept. 
you know, they, they became scared. Maybe they became jealous, right? And so um, many people may have similar experiences in this lifetime, dating back to their childhood and whatnot. But for me, I had an experience in the past couple of months or so where in meditation, so I had a past life memory come forth demonstrating to me that of course this was uh you know something that i've been dealing with for at least this one lifetime in, in the past likely more and so i'm sitting in meditation it's total quietude completely silent mind deep state of samadhi you could say in this spaciousness a memory bubbled up emerged and it wasn't a memory from this particular lifetime and in this memory I was somewhere in Europe. It seemed to be something like the Middle Ages. Um, and these two guards had grabbed me and I was a man. They had grabbed me and they were taking me, dragging me somewhere. And I was begging them, please, please don't put me in that hole again. Don't put me in that hole again, please. And so that was the extent of this memory came out of meditation feeling that of course i was being thrown in some sort of jail cell or a dungeon or maybe a literal hole in the ground a cave i don't know for speaking and sharing about some spiritual things right maybe i was a crazy madman walking around in the in the square maybe i was some sort of wizard or mystic who knows What's interesting is that just in this very brief memory, there was so much for me to unpack. And one thing that really came to me was this word again. I was saying, don't put me in that hole again. So this meant that I was actually put in the hole once before, probably for the same thing, sharing about my spirituality. And so I thought, well, look, they put me in the hole, the dungeon, whatever it was. I came out. I didn't learn my lesson. I continued to go on and, and to share and to teach and to practice whatever it was that I was doing that was spiritual, that wasn't you know, in alignment with the culture. And being punished didn't really stop me. I was doing it again, right? And so they put me in there again. Now, that, I guess, shows the uh, commitment that I have to this path. It also shows the, the power of these experiences that I don't think, you know, um, somebody being punished, tortured, even burned at the stake can really dim the light that they have to shine, can really thwart the mission, right? You'll just come back. Even if you die, get burned at the stake, crucified, et cetera, you'll just come back and continue the work. That's what I'm doing here today. Now, that lifetime was... Uh, not my previous lifetime, but there was at least one in between. And in this next lifetime, I uh, was fortunate enough to spend in a spiritual community uh, in isolation for the most part, probably to just do a lot of work and not have to deal with, you know, the people, you know, um, judging me and ridiculing me and throwing me in the dungeon or whatever. But anyway, in this lifetime, I'm here. And I think I'm fortunate enough, along with all of us, to be able to, uh, you know, explore our spirituality in much more safer context than any, any other time, any other place in the world, at least here in the West.
And so we should be fortunate enough to do that and not let this lingering witch wound hold us back. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some ways that we can address this witch wound that we all have to some degree or another from prior lifetimes, from the culture, like I said. Um, so this dream that I had, you know, when I was, uh, you know, saying, don't put me in that hole again, telling these guards, don't put me in the hole again. I told this dream to my good friends, Kate West and Gordon Curtis of when lightning strikes. And when I mentioned this to them, Kate said, you know, I have actually a very, very similar memory from prior lifetime. And I thought that's very, very interesting uh, considering the work that we're doing together. And so we joked that perhaps Kate and I were dungeon mates in a previous lifetime, right? So when lightning strikes, their intention is to uh, spread awareness about spiritual emergence, Kundalini awakening. They're working on a film. Kate West, Katrina Michelle founded this movement together. And, uh, you know, they're doing a lot of great work, like what I've got going on here to spread awareness about the, the validity of this awakening process. And they're working on a film. They've got some really big names that are, um, you know, coming forth and sharing in this film. They've got a community as well where people come together to share and to uh, know that they're not alone. So they meet uh, in a more of a private, intimate setting. Uh, right now, of course, we're, we're live on YouTube where the public can watch, but uh, in When Lightning Strikes, a little bit more intimate, a little bit more personal. And uh, I volunteer my time with them, and I, I hold a circle uh, once a week there as well. So you can check them out. But um, so Kate and Katrina founded When Lightning Strikes around the same time that I began doing this work, you know, as Brent's spirit sharing what I can. And what I recognize, at least in myself, was that my work here is actually a manifestation of my shadow. It's actually a manifestation of my shadow in that, to some degree, in my reflection, my contemplation, it's almost like I'm doing all this work for a very selfish reason. It's like I'm putting together a body of evidence for why Kundalini awakening spirituality is valid, so that in the event that those guards come for me again, I can say, hey, wait, hold on, Look, go, go to my YouTube channel, look at my podcast, I've interviewed all these people, they're all going through this, right? It's almost like I'm kind of doing that. It's like I'm trying to protect myself here from this fear of being, you know, um, ridiculed and, and, and tortured and abused once again. So that's my selfish reason for doing this. It's like I'm putting together this body of evidence. That's what I, I, I look deep into it. I'm like, why do I, why am I so concerned about raising awareness about this? It's because it's, it's witch wound I have. So in a, in a sense, it is serving me. And then, of course, it's not solely selfish because I know so many of us are carrying this wound around as well. So many of, so many of us are going through this as well. And so, of course, I'm doing it for, for everybody here, the whole community, right? And uh, I think, you know, the same is what's going on with When Lightning Strikes with uh, Kate, Gordon, Katrina, and everyone else involved in the film. I think they're also operating from a similar place, trying to, uh, you know, soothe this wound, this collective wound that we have. And so um, a couple of days ago, I had a chance to connect with Katrina Michelle, who's a psychotherapist. Uh, also, like I said, one of the co-founders along with Kate for When Lightning Strikes. And I had a, the inclination to read her dissertation, her PhD dissertation, I believe in transpersonal psychology. And so um, as far as I understand, when you, when you do a PhD for a dissertation, your, the intention is to conduct research in an area that hasn't been uh, explored yet, right? That's the, the, during your PhD, you have to make a contribution to uh, 
the academic world. And so Katrina's contribution was exploring this term that she calls spiritual resistance. And what she recognized was that many people have these awakenings. Some of us from childhood, we had these gifts, spiritual inclinations. And this spiritual resistance arises that holds us back from really going through and following through with the process easily and smoothly. So spiritual resistance can come uh, from the external. Um, and this is all information that I've gathered from her paper. From the external, so maybe the culture, the community, your family, your friends, your partner, they'll shut you down. They'll tell you, you know, we don't, we don't mess with spiritual gifts. That's demonic. That goes against our religion or that's dangerous. We don't play with that. Um, maybe it's internal as well. You know, not knowing really what's happening to you, um, not knowing about the phenomena and what you're experiencing, that can cause a lot of people to feel very confused, scared, feel strange. Um, the gifts, the, the abilities that one can have can bring so much new information that we don't know how to process. So oftentimes people will turn to maybe things like addiction. People will turn to overeating to try and, you know, suppress these gifts because they're afraid of really going and moving really deeply into it. And so in her paper, in her research, she found that a few things were really soothing for people's witch wound. Sorry, not witch wound. That's not the language she uses for people's spiritual resistance. And one of the number one ways was community, right? Community. So coming together with other people and finding that others are also going through similar things. Along with community, another thing that came up was language, language around the experience. So somebody may come across a book or a blog post or a video that describes some similar experiences to them. And they say, oh, finally, I, I realize that there's words to describe what I'm going through. You know, uh, Kundalini awakening or spiritual awakening or, oh, psychic abilities and gifts. I see that there's terms for this. So that's another way that people can be really uh, um, soothed. Their spiritual resistance can be a little bit um, diminished and they can follow through with the awakening process, with the spiritual emergence process. And so um, overall, that's the reason why I'm doing this work here. Uh, that's also the reason behind, you know, um, kundaliniawareness.org, which is my new project. Essentially, kundaliniawareness.org is, uh, it is my shadow, right? It's, it's my shadow coming forth. Like I said, I'm just trying to build this body of evidence in the event that those guards come. I can say, hey, look, go to kundaliniawareness.org. There's a bunch of stories there of people that are experiencing what I'm experiencing. There's a directory of licensed mental health professionals that have Kundalini awakening experience that are willing to support others. I'm not crazy. You know, don't put me back in that hole. That's essentially what I'm trying to do here. And I think, of course, I'm trying to do that for all of us, for all of us. So kundaliniawareness.org, go ahead and uh, check it out. Um, you can visit the website and submit your story about your Kundalini awakening process. We're putting together a directory, uh, a collection of stories where researchers can go through and see that there's common themes. You can see that there are people all over the world that are experiencing this. So there's some basic criteria that we ask when you submit your story, very simple things, um, you know, uh, that it's proofread, that it's, that it's uh, written in a reflective way, that you've taken some time with it to write it, just to help us with credibility to help us to show that these, you know, we aren't just random people on the internet, you know, commenting briefly about, you know, this happened to me, but it's actually something that somebody's taken some time to put together. So that could be your contribution to this movement. It can be your contribution to healing the collective witch wound that's in our culture um, to, to, you know, uh, overcome some spiritual resistance.
as well, we're putting together a directory, like I said, of licensed mental health professionals with Kundalini Awakening Experience. So if you are or you know somebody that is a psychotherapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a social worker, um, we're putting together a directory. So submit an application to the directory and then people can find your work. They can find out what you've got going on and uh, uh, you know they can get support for this really challenging, difficult uh, journey. So another example here, I was even uh, in a conversation today with a, a really amazing woman named Julie Hoyle. We interviewed one another for each other's YouTube channels and she had some spiritual gifts since childhood. And uh, she felt very alone, very uh, confused, very challenged by these gifts. And at one point she asked uh, God, she prayed to God, said, God, please take all of this away, take this away, right? It was just too much, too overwhelming. Um, and of course her journey unfolded and now she's really blossomed into her gifts and is doing some really great work. But as a young child, you know, this is a lot for a child to, to, to deal with, right? Um, so let's talk about some ways that we can soothe and heal the witch wound. And I would love to get everyone's take on some of these topics as well. I'll, I'll give everybody a chance to share either on video or audio or uh, in the chat on YouTube or Zoom. But I've got a list here of some ways that we can soothe and heal the witch wound. So firstly, we want to know that truth prevails in the end. The light prevails in the end, right? If you have an awakening or you have some gifts or you find the light, you got to remember that this is the light, okay? People can hurt you, harm you, label you, lock you up, torture you, kill you. The light doesn't die, okay? This is one ultimate thing that we must remember. The light doesn't die, okay? So we don't give up hope, right? The light is the light. As well, we want to know that we are at the leading edge, okay? We're at the leading edge here. So we're meant to be understood. Sorry, I, let me take that back. We're meant to be misunderstood, okay? We're at the leading edge. If you weren't at the leading edge, you, you would be understood, right? If you're in the mainstream, nobody would have anything to, uh, you know, resist about what you have to share or what you're going through, right? So we're at the leading edge of evolution, of growth, of the expansion of consciousness. So there has to be some resistance, okay? expect it. Tesla was misunderstood, right? Galileo misunderstood, right? Leading edge. These people are at the leading edge. Okay. So in some respects, you can say that, you know, you're in the same camp as these great, great people, right? Great spiritual masters, mystics, right? I was even reading um, uh, today about uh, Ramana Maharshi in this great book. It's called Mystics, Masters, Saints, and Sages. Okay. And um. Even Ramana, Ramana, after he had a, a very significant awakening, you know, he says, I stopped going out with friends to play games and preferred solitude. I would often sit alone and become absorbed in the self, the spirit, the force or current, which constituted me. I would continue in this despite the jeers of my elder brother who would sarcastically call me sage or yogi and advise me to retire into the jungle like the ancient rishis. So even Ramana Maharshi, you know, his brother was giving him a hard time for having spiritual interests, right? He's, he's making fun of him. He's calling him names. Now, of course, we could say that's his brother. You know, brothers do this to each other. It's not that big of a deal. And I understand, but I thought it was an interesting uh, um, point in Ramana's story here, right? Another point, uh, just a little off topic, but I think it's so important Ramana writes here, he says here, I would continue in, uh, he says here, um, I would often sit alone and become absorbed in the self, 
the spirit, the force or current which constituted me. The force or current which constituted me. He's talking about Kundalini Shakti for those out there who uh, haven't yet recognized Ramana as uh, being uh, one who went through Kundalini awakening. He's talking about the Shakti, the energy flow moving through him. Um, so another way that we can address this wish wound, heal the wish wound, is to find the others, right? Find the others. We are here together. We have found some of the others. It's to keep finding the others and know you're not alone, okay? We have the benefit in this time to use the internet, okay? We have the internet where we can find the others. We can also express and share. Unlike me in that time, you know, in the middle ages, I had to go in the, you know, the town square and be a crazy person. Now I can be a crazy person on the internet and stay safe in my room. And in fact, I can hide behind a, an alias, right? Brent Spirit is a character that I play. My first name is Brent. My last name, of course, is not Spirit. Although at one point somebody said, hey, that's a really... Uh, it's a really cool last name you got. It really suits what you're doing. And I'm like, it's not my real last name, <laughs> but uh, you know, you can take up an alias, right? And you can express yourself. You don't have to even show your face like I am. You can write, right? I spent the first few years of my journey writing anonymously on a blog, right? Um, and, and so that was, I felt safe, right? People in my, in my personal life didn't really know about it. I started to share it over time. In the beginning, I felt really safe and free to express knowing that nobody was going to come for me, right? Nobody was going to come for me. And that's one of the benefits we have with the internet, right? There's so many outlets we have to express as well as to connect with others, okay? So we must appreciate this opportunity that we have. As well, we can soothe and heal the witch wound. Now, I'll clarify this point, but it's by censoring ourselves, censoring ourselves. So on one hand, we want to say, you know, be authentic, be yourself, be free, right? If you like spirituality and you had a Kundalini awakening, be authentic, talk about it to everybody. I think that's a little bit of an immature stance, right? We want to be authentic, but we also want to be mature. So when I say censor yourself, when you're talking about your Kundalini awakening, your spiritual awakening, I don't mean censor yourself out of fear. I mean, censor yourself out of maturity, right? So a mature person recognizes that it's probably unlikely that the mass, the masses, the population of you know, maybe your, your, your small town or your family, they're probably not going to understand the details of your spiritual awakening, your Kundalini awakening process. Okay. Because they simply haven't gone through it. Okay. If they have, that's great. You're very fortunate, but I think maturity comes with this idea that, you know, I, I don't need to talk about this to everybody. And it's not a betrayal against, you know, your, your true authentic self. I think it's, uh, a, a mature stance. It's, it's giving yourself this respect to know that this is actually something very sacred, private, that you don't have to talk to about with everybody. Okay. So that's one way that we can do it. You know, we can give up expecting others to understand. They're just not going to, if they haven't really experienced it. And a really easy way for us to understand why they resist us, why they judge us is just think back to before you were on a spiritual path. You probably would also be like, you know, if somebody came up to you and said, I had a Kundalini awakening, this snake energy, and I had a vision and, and now I'm like, you know, doing all this weird Kriyas and stuff, you would probably say there's probably something wrong with this person too. So let's remember that and have empathy for those who, you know, don't always understand us. That's one way that we can make peace and heal this, this witch wound that we have. Okay. As well, I want to remember what Jesus said. So Jesus was on the cross. These people had, you know, ridiculed him you know they were torturing him laughing at him and jesus being so compassionate 
understanding, forgiving, truly embodied his awakened, aware, open heart, even at the lowest point when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? He understood that these people that had, you know, essentially, you know, they were executing him. Even at that point, he said, you know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know, right? And so not that I'm Jesus, not that you're Jesus, not that we're in, you know, that same um, degree of uh, consciousness, you could say, but we can take a little bit out of that experience, out of his experience and take that as a teaching and say, you know, when others ridicule you, judge you, laugh at you, call you names, you know, misunderstand you, tell you that you're crazy, try to get you to, you know, um, you know, uh, hide. Remember, they don't know, right? They don't know. That's it. They just don't know. They haven't had the experience yet. Okay. So we want to forgive them. Actually, if they knew they would, they would come to you and ask for your help and your support and your guidance and your wisdom, right? If they knew, if they were at a position on their path, they would, they would seek out, you know, what you have to share, but they don't know what they're doing. And so we must forgive them. Okay. This is a very difficult um, place to come to, but this is a great example of Jesus on the path, right? This is one of his most powerful teachings, I think. Okay. As well, you can contribute to raising awareness in your own way, right? Raise awareness in your own way. If you feel called, if you feel called, you don't have to, you know, do a, a YouTube channel or write a book or something, but you can raise awareness in your own way. And, and you'll feel you'll feel a calling in the right direction, but you know, it, it does make a big, big difference. It makes a big, big difference for all of those out there. Think of the young kids, the young kids out there right now that are really struggling, teenagers, right? They're out there. And uh, if anything that we can do for them, I think would make a big difference, make a big, big difference, right? Because if we think back to the earlier points on our journey, it's probably very difficult for many of us. It was for me, right? This began for me at 15. I didn't know what was going on, right? And as well, know that, you know, you won't be burned at the stake. You won't be crucified. Those times are behind us now, okay? They're behind us now. You can have courage. You can hold yourself. You can remind yourself that you're safe. You're safe and you're not alone, okay? So I want to uh, get to the chats here and we'll invite some people to share. But first, let me take a moment here to talk to you a little bit about my course here, which is called Grounded Spiritual Emergence and Integration. Now, I don't exactly want to turn this into a commercial, but this is very relevant here because I've put together this course to address exactly this issue. So people go through spiritual emergence or spiritual emergency when it's really difficult, and then they have difficulty integrating that into their lives, right? Integrating into the lives in a way that they can actually function without being, um, you know, ridiculed, judged, without coming across as a crazy person. So in this course, I've put together many ways for us, how, for how we can get back in the world and function amongst people who don't know anything about what this is, okay? As well, I've also spoken about in this course, ways that we can integrate the energy itself, the energetic aspects in the nervous system, in the chakras. So sometimes when we go through spiritual emergence, we can have our head, you know, get really big with a lot of prana. It can feel like we're a spiritual bobblehead. It can cause a lot of things like insomnia, cause us to feel sort of uh, just really ungrounded, like we're floating, like we're flying, get a lot of heightened energy. We can get a little too, too crazy too crazy. And so we want to find a ways to ground the energy. So in this course, I really break it down. We talk about the witch when we talk about why the Western scientific model, the Western medical model doesn't acknowledge spiritual emergence. We talk about the cultural implications of that. I think I've got um, 
45 different techniques for grounding. I spent 10 years learning how to integrate this energy, learning how to integrate this spiritual emergence into my life. And in fact, I can open up and tell you about my spiritual emergence and one of the most difficult experiences I had on my path, which was, I think I must've been 19. I had this huge energetic opening in my head. It was an ego death experience. I can no longer find this idea of Brent, of me, of I, of the ego. It was like, I, I just completely vanished and was, was completely eradicated. And I, the only context I had for this was that I had realized enlightenment. I could only say this. I could only say, I, well, this must be enlightenment. This must be what they're talking about in Buddhism, you know, anatta, no self. And so I didn't know how to function in the world. I didn't know how to relate with other people. I, it was very, very strange and bizarre. And I couldn't really find anybody who had any answers for me. So my parents noticed that I was acting a little strange and they were asking me, you know, why are you acting so weird? And I didn't know what to say. Eventually, after a few days of just trying to figure out how to navigate in the world, I sat them down at our kitchen table and I said, mom, dad, this is going to sound pretty strange, but I'm pretty sure I've realized enlightenment and I don't exist. Brent doesn't exist anymore. He was, he was always an illusion. He was always just a, a you know, a figment of my imagination and Brent actually doesn't exist anymore. And I remember my mom burst into tears and was hysterical and understandably so because she thought, you know, her son has completely lost his mind and seeing her being so distraught about it was very difficult for me. And I learned very quickly in that moment, I cannot talk about this to just anybody and everybody. I got to figure out how I'm going to live in this new way uh, without doing this to more people, because this isn't, this isn't uh, going to be an easy ride. And so from then, from the next you know, 10 years uh, plus, 10 years plus, I worked on grounding and integration. And then of course, moving on, I went to go, go through a, a Kundalini awakening. And then I put all this together. I, I connect with countless people and I've, I've put all that, all that I could find together in this course. Um, and uh, it, it's really there to help you. It's really there to help you. Um, so you can look at the curriculum here. I invite you to check it out, brentspirit.com slash grounded. It's all there. Um, the curriculum really breaks it all down. If you want to have a look, if it uh, calls you, check it out. It's also a great way to support me in doing this work. If you'd like to enroll in that course, eight hours, some of my best material. Okay. So now let's hear from you all about your experiences with the witch wound. You can type it in the chat. You can also uh, join us on Zoom on audio or video if you'd like to share. You can raise your hand on Zoom. If you're listening on YouTube and you'd like to share, join us on uh, Zoom. The link is in the description. I'm going to go over here to check out the chats while uh, I give anybody a chance to share if it, they'd like to share. As well, we'll do some uh, Q&A, and, and the Q&A can be about uh, anything to do with the spiritual path, Kundalini awakening, etc. Okay. So Zoe says, I'm carrying this in my throat, this ancestral ancestral conditioning yeah violet says this is a really lovely idea and project i think too it would be very helpful for individuals who encounter a lot of gatekeeping around the subject of kundalini yes i think Violet's speaking about kundaliniawareness.org yeah the idea here is yes um as well is to break down any gatekeeping this is a universal human experience universal human experience i think at some point uh, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me about gatekeeping and, you know, what does it take to join this community? 
And I said, the only thing it takes to join this community is having an interest in Kundalini awakening, not even having a Kundalini awakening or experiences itself, just having an interest. You're welcome here. And your experience is valid. And what you have to share is valid. Okay. This is my stance. I don't think one tradition, one person, one individual, one religion has all the answers about this. Nobody does. Nobody does. This is an awakening process that's mysterious, is at the leading edge of our evolution. And so no gatekeeping here, no gatekeeping here. We're all figuring this out together. We're all figuring this out together. So Brian says, you know, 99% of people won't understand. Yeah. Zoe's giving some feedback about the course. She says it's good stuff. Thanks, Zoe. I really appreciate that. So Dre's writing here in the Zoom chat, the biggest challenge has been feeling like I live a double life. Being okay with knowing not everyone will understand and finding community elsewhere. It just kind of sucks feeling like I can't be my whole self in my day-to-day -day with the people that have known me my whole life. Tell me about it, Dre. Yes, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. Brent's spirit is like uh, my alter ego, you could say. Um, um, in my personal life, People know that I'm into this stuff, but a lot of people think that I'm just like a yoga teacher. And <laughs> I just kind of leave it at that. They're like, yeah, this guy likes yoga and meditation and whatever. He's kind of weird. And then they just kind of just ignore it from there. And I'm happy with, with them just thinking I'm just like a yoga teacher. I'm kind of weird, whatever. But um, yeah, I was thinking about it earlier. It's almost like if some of them found some of my work, they probably wouldn't even have the interest or the energy to really invest time to really listen which is probably good, probably good that they just would see a little bit about it and be like, I don't know what this is. And then just kind of scroll away. Um, but yeah, I kind of have this sort of feeling of living a double life as well. It's, it's something that I'm still trying to figure out and navigate, but I do recognize that there is some benefit to being incognito, being incognito. You can do work incognito as well. You can still radiate that energy. Hey there, Dre, oh. go ahead. Please go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to just add, um, you know, I've considered, I have like a separate Instagram that is not tied to anybody I know. And I still get scared to even maybe share about this experience or things I've learned or just use it to connect with other people through there. I get scared that someone will find me and then, you know, judge me and it's, it sucks, but I it, just the feeling that comes up. And then I do also find myself judging others too sometimes and feeling like there is a lot of this although like spirituality I feel like it's growing in popularity I guess it's a way to put it and and sometimes I don't even necessarily feel connected to how people talk about spirituality in the mainstream I guess and and so I, I it's like I'm I feel both sides of the coin I myself am hesitant and afraid to share and then I also find myself judging others in their experience and I, and I try to be mindful of course I'm being very transparent that I am there is a part of me that judges and also I'm open to it but it's just yeah there's just a lot that comes up oh thank you for sharing yeah yeah thank you for sharing so honestly about the other side of it too I think collectively we carry the witch wound but we also carry the 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 archetype of the persecutor as well and yeah i i, I can i carry that for myself i can look at people on the path 
for example, I mean, earlier today, I saw a, a short clip of a, a Kundalini yoga class. Kundalini yoga as in uh, Yogi Bhajan's Kundalini yoga. And they're doing this like dancing stuff to the music and breathing. And the guys like basically um, it's the same kind of vibe of an aerobics class, just with a spiritual theme. And I was like, man, these people don't know what the hell they're doing. And so even I was coming with my own judgments here. And you can probably hear it in my voice, even the way I'm describing them. Like they're, uh, you know, these, a bunch of nuts, right? So I, I can get there too. Yeah, I can, I can go to the similar places. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing us to this place. This is interesting. I'm curious if anybody else has, a, has this archetype of like, you know, maybe it's strong words, but this archetype of the persecutor as well. Um, interesting. Yeah, you know what happened to me with Instagram is I made Brent Spirit Instagram and uh, I made it on my phone and I think I pressed the wrong button or whatever, but it sent a message to like all my contacts saying, hey, Brent has a new Instagram. And all these people started following me and I was like, oh God, like, and then at another point, like some of my family members found it. And I remember being at like a family function and somebody was like, yeah, so like, tell me about this, this new Brent spirit Instagram. And I was like, oh God, uh, I, was, I think I just minimized it and said, ah, I was just yoga. I'm just a yoga teacher. Um, and I can admit, I went on to block, uh, block those family members, to be honest. I just don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to deal with it. Um, and maybe there's some shadow work for me to do around this as well. Yeah. yeah. But thanks, Dre, for sharing. I'm curious if anybody else has similar, similar experiences with um, the urge to share. And then, you know, having some resistance around that. Just ask. Oh, hello. Yeah. Okay. Hey. So um, I just kind of wanted to to share a little bit because I'm like currently going through it um like we were talking about you know judging you know, like spiritual scene and um I used to it's it's funny enough because it's kind of like I was like resisting what I am in a way so like like the term shaman for example like prior I've always been spiritual but when I would hear that word or people say that they're a shaman I would always be very judgy roll my eyes scoff like really <laughs> you know but like recently like through this journey I guess it was just you know pure ignorance of what the shamanic journey and path was and once I found some clarity on that I realized oh <laughs> okay so I definitely resonate with this. There's some validity here to that. And uh, I have consciously chosen to, you know, embrace that. I, there's even still some hesitancy with the word shaman to me. So I'm like, I don't know. How do I release that resistance? Do I, do I continue to use that word? Do I label myself as such? You know, like it's, it's still a little uncomfortable for me, but also a little comforting that this is what it is, you know, like I've always felt it was some, I don't know. I just always felt something and I just felt comfort in that, that path, that journey, because it was very clearly what I have been experiencing currently and just throughout my entire life, you know? Um, so, so anyway, I just, it's just, it's just funny that, you know, bring up like, you know, being the persecutor of the, you know, spiritual paths and things of that nature because I definitely experienced that but it felt like it was more so resistance to myself and 
my path of what I've been doing um, more than anything. So, I mean, I'm still working through some of that resistance, but um, I've accepted a lot of it. And, I, and like I said, it's going to continue to be a journey for me, but being a, being a healer and creator is definitely what I've been doing this entire time. That's what excites me. That's what I'm really good at. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, it's, I just, interesting that 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 was brought up because you know I've definitely felt this witch room for a while being a practitioner of you know I guess you know magic in a sense um it's yeah it's it's been tough but I'm starting to learn how to lead with my spirituality a bit more than I used to and it starts with you know Again, that throat chakra, talking about it, accepting it, and just being okay with that being, you know, who you are. Yeah. yeah thanks, Naima. The, uh, the, the labels are, are always a tricky thing because it takes a lot of courage to really step into those shoes. Um, I know that some have used this term neo-shaman. I'm sure there's some you know, some cultural implications around that neo-shaman, but uh, I, I've heard that term used. I've also heard that somebody sent me a, a clip on Instagram just the other day uh, of an interview with uh, a, a shaman. And she said, if you are chosen for this path, you have no choice. And those who resist that, you know, they're calling to be a shaman, um, in some instances, they die. Um, now I'm not trying to scare anybody, but that just goes to show that like, this is your calling. You just have to go through with it. And even the resistance may come up, but, um, yeah, we have to just keep going with, with the direction that we're called, no matter how scary it can be. And it's typically, it's quite scary. There's a, uh, there, there's always an initiation into some of these more advanced roles of healer and creator and, uh, you know, wise man or woman, for example, is some initiation, some difficulties and friction that we've got to, you know, kind of go through. But um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And I could hear it in your voice, you know, when you said, you know, this is what you love to do to heal and to create. And so um, excitement seems to be a great compass as we navigate the journey here. So I'm going to go over to Zoe here and then I'll catch up uh, on the chats on YouTube and Zoom. And if you're on YouTube, join us. Join us on Zoom. The link is in the description. Hello. Hey, Zoe. Hey, you can hear me? Yeah. Nice. Okay, great. So um, there was a few things that were said and I wanted to comment and I'm like, uh, let me let me trace my thoughts back right now. So, okay. So the way that I, did, I discovered the witch wound was um, I was reading something on Instagram that somebody had posted and um, my heart resonated with it right away and I was like oh that's interesting and um, based on the way that like I work on myself is I'll ask like specific questions and I'll get the resonance like in my body and stuff so you know the the witch wound came about in terms of it being in my throat and it has to do with like ancestrally and then I realized part of it is also what you were talking about, the inner child stuff. Um, because I think I grew up with the wound of like having my voice not matter. Mm. 
and when I was a kid and I think that kind of stuck with me so there was a lot of times and I mean I've had this through my conditioning as well there's a lot of times where like you know because you're a girl you're not supposed to say anything you're supposed to just be quiet you know what I mean and, and let other people say what they need to say but because you're a woman or you're a girl you're not supposed to say anything so I remember that used to frustrate me once I became a teen and older and I mean my mother still has the same conditioning right so but now I'm actually able to understand like and trace things back and 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 see how it is that I'm carrying this stuff now and I'm accepting the responsibility that this is mine to clear in this lifetime and it will be done <laughs> it will be done I will not leave it I will not leave it <laughs> so um yeah and I've also discovered too I mean I don't know if you've heard about implants and stuff like technologies a little bit so um that there was some implants that um I have that I need to work on clearing with some of my um some of my uh what do you call them uh beings that uh, I'm connected to um the surgeons of the universe the Arcturians so apparently they are very helpful in clearing um implants and stuff like that and I've also noticed that if we have any throat issue, they're very well connected to our womb area as well, the sacral chakra. So I know for me, this is uh, something that uh, needs more work on for sure. And what else was I going to tell you? I think it's amazing that you started the organization. Um, I, I feel like we just need to like spread the word and, um, yeah, because like you said, it's, it's the power of community is huge. Yeah. And the more that we can speak up, speak up about our experiences and, um, and just be like honest and genuine about it. I feel like it's, it's going to change the perception that is out there currently right right um and also like i want to be able to i want to be able to go to the doctor and say this is what's going on with me and have them go oh okay you're having ascension symptoms or you're going through um you know kundalini awakening i want that to become known one day so like I'm willing to do what it takes on my part <laughs> to, to make this happen one day, because even if not for my generation, but the next generation, right. I just feel like it's so worth it. Well, well, Zoe, thank you. Thank you for sharing so far. I really admire your warrior spirits. You know, I, I, your attitude, when you said it will be done, addressing this will be done. That was, that really hit me. That's, that's profound. And I want to just, address a little bit about this witch wound in particular you know you mentioned being stifled for being a woman for being a girl the witch wound itself the term itself if i'm not mistaken kimberly jones i believe coined that term specifically for the feminine in general though i i may have extracted it and appropriated it for 
the general population, but I'm going to try and get Kimberly onto uh, a conversation with me where we can unpack it because yes, um, it is a, 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 uh, a wound uh, of the patriarchy, right? Women in particular have been especially stifled and told, um, you know, that they don't have, uh, uh, power or a say or, or and whatnot. So I think uh, the witch wound itself, of course, which is being, uh, you know, a term for the feminine is uh, something to unpack a little bit further um, to give credence to the divine feminine as well. So, so uh, I'll, I'll see if I can unpack that with uh, Kimberly on an episode. Um, I've got, I know that uh, Kate West and Katrina and Michelle are, are uh, good friends with her. So I'm hoping that I can get her on the show. Okay. So uh, I'll go over to Colin. Hey, Colin. Hey, Brett. How's it going? It's going good. It's good to be with you again. Um, I was wondering, just curious in your personal experience with, with the witch wound and how writing, what that did for you. You said yeah. you, in, early on, you blogged a lot and just wrote and wrote and wrote. And like, how did that, do you found, find that that helped yeah. So Which what? It, yeah, the, the writing was uh, was interesting. It was back in the days of Tumblr before Tumblr took a uh, you know uh, went downhill. But I had a, an anonymous blog. My icon was just a black square, um, and I just wrote, and I felt like I could write anything and everything that I wanted, and uh, I quite honestly was not writing for an audience. I didn't know anything about that sort of stuff. I was just writing and and. Um, an audience began to form around that. And what I found was that there were so many other people that were resonating with what I was sharing. And I thought, okay, I'm not the only one. Um, as well, the writing in particular helped to actually clear this, this throat chakra sort of thing mm. that many of us have where consistently just showing up and allowing that energy to flow. I became um, trusting and confident that if I became still and had a, you know, a chat box up where I could start typing a, a document, the words would just start flowing. And so that was very useful for me to learn how to write, sort of how to channel, how to enter into the flow. As well, the material that was coming forth was coming from a place beyond my mind. So I was actually benefiting from the teachings that were coming through, from the writings that were coming through. I, I used to say that I am more of a reader of my own blog than I am a writer. I'll write it once, but I would read it 10 times. And I would revisit it and say, oh, there's like another layer of meaning in there that I didn't even know. So it was like I was writing for myself. And um, over time, the body of work itself served to build confidence in what it was that I was experiencing because I was finding that the messages were, that were coming through were consistent. They made sense. They were logical. And I had the support of other people that were also saying, hey, yeah, this makes sense. So I started to say, okay, maybe I'm not crazy. And this isn't just like some sort of crazy rambling that I'm doing. It's actually something meaningful. So that's how the writing helped me to overcome um, these types of uh, sort of witch wound type blockages and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, uh, well, the reason I'm asking is because I, I recently, uh, I've always been for the past since about five years ago, I wanted to, I wanted to write a book, not necessarily about awakening or Kundalini, that's obviously going to work itself in, but some darker stuff. And I started writing um, late last month and it's, it's gotten crazy. It's like, I'm, I'm a good 80 pages in. Um, I can sit down every day for a good four to five hours 
and just go. It's it's like magic, but I I, I realize how empowering it is. Yeah, and how it's it's like it's like you, you you're owning your truth. There's something about putting it down. That you know you can think it, you can talk about it, you can talk about it in a group like this, but there's some magic to putting it down, and it's amazing what comes out, you know. But but it's 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 really empowering. Like no one can take that away from you once it's down in words. Yeah, that's really really interesting that you're saying that. You know what came to me was like when you when you put it like as you're speaking, you know, it's like a contract. It's not a verbal agreement it's a contract when you're writing it down. It's, it's real. Right. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm looking here. Um, abracadabra. Um, oh, the spell, the spell thing. Yeah. I think it, it's something to do with language is, you know, I will create as has been spoken. So it's with the word, with the word I will create, right? Abracadabra. And I'm just recalling, you know, that term, like we're, we're having a conversation about witches and whatnot and magic and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's with the written word that we, uh, you know, can make a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, real impact in our lives. Um, so yeah, 80 pages in, that's great. I mean, just keep going. I'd be really curious to see uh, how that unfolds for you. Um, yeah, very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. It, and I, I wanted to share something with the group too. One thing uh, Please. about um, recently, you know, I wanted to get some, some help, just get someone to talk to you, some, uh, some, you know, like therapist style help. And, and, you know, there's a great, when you're searching for a therapist, there's something you can um, just a little search tip, like psychology today, for instance, a lot of times they they write down their religions in there. Like they'll write, oh, Christian, Buddhist, whatever. But a lot of people will write spirituality in there. Mm. And and I, I challenge people to kind of poke at some of those people because I found a couple of great therapists via psychology today just by that one word. Like I, I found a woman recently and I just started talking to her and I just went right into it. Kundalini and all. And she didn't flinch. You know, she knew the whole story. She just was totally accepting and it became more of a conversation about, you know, my spiritual path than it did maybe say personal problems I was having or something, you know, it was the combination, but the people are out there, you know, and they're hiding in plain sight. So, you know, like I say to everyone, if anyone's looking for some help, and, oh, and top it all off the cherry on the cake, she takes insurance, <laughs> she takes my insurance. Perfect. So it's totally free. And, and I, she's not the first one I've, I've found like that. And, and I just want to tell a group, it's like, yeah, you'd be surprised, you know, and there's always those, you know, meet and greets, those, what do they call them in, in therapy, like the assessments or whatever. It's a good way to, you know, see if the person's right, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see this woman again, just out of curiosity, because it's like, hey, we can't have enough, we can't have enough support on this path. And if, someone's willing to listen and they understand, you know, your, they understand your language. I'm like, hell, you know, it's like, I'm going to give it a shot, you know? Oh, thank anyway. you for sharing that. That's a fantastic practical tip. Fantastic. Yeah. And for those that don't know, psychology today is a directory of uh, psychotherapists, counselors, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, et cetera. Um, 
Yeah, what a great tip. What a great tip. They're hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And this is in a town where, you know, my I live in uh, Tucson and it's not, you don't have a huge selection in Tucson, you know, but they're there, you know. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing. Hey, Sid, welcome. Thanks for hopping on. I saw you on the YouTube here. Now you're here with us on Zoom. It's good to be with you, Sid. How's it going, Brent? I, uh, I like the, uh, I like the, um, the, the night owl theme. I think that's also what's interesting with the Kundalini process is or at least I can only say from my experience, but I've read it where it rewires, starts rewiring your circadian rhythm. So, you know, you're not, you naturally, um, a night owl for, for some time there, you know, I mean, I remember staying up till 5am having difficulties for a long time, six, eight months of just integration. Um, so yeah, this is a useful time slot. <laughs> so yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It came to me, uh, sort of, uh, well, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, um, came to me spontaneously to do a late night show, kind of like a coast to coast type of vibe sort of thing. Um, I also, I am a night owl. I, I don't even want to tell you guys what time I wake up. Um, it's embarrassing. I, I sleep in a lot. But um, I, I stay up very late and I'm always at my computer. And this is, this is just my time. I'm wide awake right now. And uh, I was thinking about what to call it. You know, what do I call the show? And uh, my favorite TV show is the Trailer Park Boys. And uh, they have a podcast called Trailer Park Boys uh, Park After Dark. And that's their podcast. They just kind of cop on, kind of just, you know, just chat, ramble, just crack jokes, read the news and stuff. It's, it's really... Uh, just very low consciousness type uh, material, but I love it. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I can go with Kundalini after dark and we can kind of just keep it relaxed and uh, get some conversation going. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that so many people can make it. Violet writes here, I've been on both sides of that coin, certainly. I was highly skeptical of Kundalini accounts in the past, chalked them up to delusion and exaggeration. Now I experience a lot of apprehension when sharing my own story because I fully understand that judgment. Yes, great. Great growth there. Uh, great growth in understanding. Medina says, I feel that judging the spiritual scene and spiritual experiences can be very healthy too. There are a lot of misinformation and abuse out there. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Discernment is key. Discernment is key. And at times, perhaps that discernment um, can look like persecution. It is persecution, but um, um, yes, uh, I, I, I I, I, I agree. Yes, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of abuse. Discernment is key. We can't blindly accept everything um, in the name of, uh, you know, non-judgment, right? We still have to have some discernment to protect ourselves. Tracy says, I feel like I have absolutely no one to talk to besides my sister who was into spirituality before I had my Kundalini awakening. My sister had some kind of spiritual experience and then somehow find a way to shut it down. She dropped spirituality altogether. She advised me to drop it as well when I told her about my Kundalini as if it would go away. So now I truly have no one to talk to about my four-year experience. I absolutely don't want to be perceived as being crazy. Well, Tracy, I know you're not crazy. I know that you know we've been in touch uh, throughout uh, this community and I know you're absolutely not crazy. And it's really unfortunate to feel that type of, uh, you know, you could say betrayal, abandonment, pressure from somebody close to you. I've experienced the same thing myself it's really challenging when somebody that you know genuinely has spiritual experiences and they go on to then den deny and dismiss and experience a lot of that inner spiritual resistance to their own process. 
Now, in uh, Katrina Michelle's uh, di uh, dissertation, she describes that uh, the spiritual resistance, sometimes people, or it arises because in some way or another, they know, or maybe we know, that if we go down this rabbit hole, if we really pursue this spiritual awakening process, we're going to see some really difficult things about ourselves. We're going to have to process a lot of pain, a lot of emotions. We're going to have to challenge a lot of our old beliefs. We're going to have to reinvent our identity. We're going to have to rethink our association with religion. It's a lot. And I think on some level, people get a glimpse. They see what it's all about. And then they go, I, I know, not right now. And they shut it out. And unfortunately, they try and get other people to shut it out too. Maybe we could say that's a bit of a projection on their part. Interesting stuff. But yeah, it's a very challenging thing. I've seen this happen with a handful of people that had quite literally very profound, significant awakening experiences. And now they have run in the completely opposite direction. And quite frankly, um, it can bring about a lot of suffering in their, in their life because it kind of eats at them deep inside. I think it's eating at them because they know they have to, they have to eventually you know, get on this path and really uh, give it some attention. Yeah. Violet says, I truly believe the universe has a sense of humor and so do we spiritually. I'm an astrologer and I've always been spiritual and still really resistant to a number of metaphysical spiritual concepts. I have to imagine this was part of the chore we chose to tackle in this lifetime, judgment, our own and others, so we can more fully experience love and acceptance for ourselves and one another. Well said, well said, yeah. So, so pro Tivleni, eh? um, definitely not saying your name right, but uh, they say, I had a Kundalini awakening in an ayahuasca ceremony. It has destroyed my life. So sorry to hear that. Um, I just today uploaded a conversation with Aaron McLean and he had a Kundalini awakening in conjunction with uh, ayahuasca as well. Um, you can check out uh, that conversation and maybe you can even reach out to him. I think he may be able to have some insight for you. Hey, Brent. Hey, Sid. Thanks for the, the opportunity. Uh, you, you've probably got this question a lot and um, i I haven't dived in much into your work in, in a sense to search for this particular topic. And you've probably been asked this a lot, but what are your thoughts on microdosing for releasing blockages? Do you think it's a dangerous? Do you think it's playing with fire? Do you think it's um, useful? Yeah, um, it's, it's a great question. I was actually speaking about it uh, last week as well, and I'm happy to I'm happy to talk about it a little bit. Um, Ultimately, you are your own master. It is your system. It's your body, right? So uh, I, I just say approach everything with consciousness. And so what that means is that if you're going to ingest anything, media, even TV shows, movies, whatever it is, we, we approach it with consciousness, mindfulness, et cetera, um, um, as best as we can. Now, what I described in the last week, I said a microdose is a little bit of a, a tricky thing because our system becomes very sensitive during this process. So a microdose for an average person, maybe a megadose for an individual. So as a teacher speaking to, I don't know how many people are here, stay away from it. But I do recognize that, uh, um, you know, everybody has their own, you know, inner guidance and they're going to go on their own journey. And so um, I can give some, some insight there. Of course, um, can be very useful tools, very, very useful. As long as we approach them with uh, a proper intention, in a ritualistic manner. So to me, this means, uh, and I have a talk about uh, Kundalini and cannabis, uh, where I describe this method, which is we approach it as a sacred ritual, which means set and setting. 
mindset in the right place. Setting is orderly. We tidy up. We make sure that, you know, our, our space is like clean, like a church, like a temple, like a mosque, like a synagogue. It's clean. It's tidy. It's nice. It's neat. The people that are there aren't on a bunch of different other drugs or drinking or, you know, they're not people that we hate or whatever, right? We're, we're in a safe setting uh, mindset. So we're going into it with proper intention, even a microdose, right? Even a microdose. So some may say, oh, well, microdose, I don't need to do all that stuff. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a microdose. Well, I would say if it's not that big of a deal, why are you taking it in the first place anyway? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so even for a microdose, it should be done with an intention. Now, what do you want to get out of this? Humble yourself before the substance as well. From what I've kind of experienced and gathered, the natural stuff seems to be what meshes best with this process, as opposed to the more synthetic stuff, um, the chemical stuff compared to the, uh, the more organic material. So that's something to keep in mind. You can feel into the energy of the substances themselves. Um, as for me, well, go ahead. for me, for me, the experience has been that it, uh, I'll somewhat receive a signal like, Hey, it's time to revisit. And then it finds its way to me. I, you know, and, and, and then, and then it'll happen multiple times where it's like, okay, all right, this is probably trying to, you know, it's trying to communicate to me that, I mean, it has its own, you know, mystery to it, but it's, it's like, it's trying to communicate to me that it's time. And, and I do have, I have had certain blockages and I think it's, it's been somewhat useful. And, um, uh, you have to kind of taken a big leap of faith recently with sudden changes and, uh, just trying to ride the wave, you know, and it's scary. And, and, uh, I think that, um, it's helping me cope with the fear around it. Um, but, uh, ultimately I'm just not sure if I'm, if I'm, you know, uh, doing something dangerous and, um, and then also there's, are there concerns about the subconscious material and, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, psychedelics, you know, I guess just pushing it outwards and pouring it out and to where it's kind of extreme. It's like, you know, I could have probably done this slower, yeah. uh, but, you know, it's kind of like I just forced the dam open, you know, and that's that's a scary, scary place to be. So um, but I for, for the short for the short period, I'm finding it somewhat beneficial. So I was always just curious. Yeah. Yeah. If it's beneficial. Great. So like I said, you are your own master and you're aware of, you know, what could possibly happen. I don't know if danger. I guess we could say dangerous, but I think like it's just intense. It's intense, right? A lot of stuff can come up and we have to be ready for that, ready to work with that and, and treat them with, with great, great respect. The flow will take us to the things that we need to explore. And sometimes yeah. it is psychedelics. It is plant medicine and, and, um, and, and we have to trust the flow. Ultimately, these uh, substances have been used for millennia. I mean, they're, in my opinion, they're the origins of this path come through substances i i, I really think so um, yeah. and so yeah. it's, it's like that but i have to play it safe uh with with the audience and so that's why you know i i err on the side of caution yeah. ultimately uh, I agree. up to you yeah. yeah i totally i totally agree and i guess i'll just close on that uh by saying i, I saw the craig holiday video where he kind of just said it was beneficial so i thought maybe you know ask you as well you know so thank you for yeah. thank you for your feedback Oh, you're so welcome. And I can, I can be open. It's been beneficial for me. My awakening was on psychedelics. My awakening was on psilocybin, a, a major, you know, rising experience. 
And what I say is keep in mind now, everybody, many people do psychedelics. Very few people have a Kundalini awakening. So let's not assume that it was just the psychedelics as well. Um, I was doing a lot of sadhana before, during the experience itself and after. So the whole mm. thing was sadhana. It's just a supplement, a supplement, not the whole thing. And um, eventually we have to let that go too. We have to let that go. That's what's really, I think, the biggest key. That's the point that I'm reaching. Yeah. Um, and uh, I turned 30 in like two months. It's like kind of the beginning of a new era, you know? And so it's like, you know, and, and also I think at 30, there's just some tectonic plate shifts that happen in your life, you know? And uh, it's just a accelerated transformation. But I was kind of in a, in a, in a dull place in the, you could call it the void for maybe four years, Yeah. you know? And then suddenly it's just, happening so fast it's it's kind of scary um but hey it's a roller coaster like you said right so that's exactly what it is for sure for sure i'm actually uh, uh doing a training uh with katrina michelle and elizabeth sabbat on uh psychedelics ethically mm. uh being able to support people through maybe a session for example the reason i'm i'm exploring that is just because um of course i'm interested in it but i know that a lot more people are going to be having uh, experiences um, as a result of psychedelics as the culture shifts. And so yeah. I want to be somewhat more prepared. And maybe perhaps it's good that you have some experience under your belt because uh, maybe in 10 years, you're playing the role of guide, teacher, healer, et cetera. And you have some experience to draw upon because I quite literally, I don't know how anybody can support somebody through psychedelic challenges without having an experience. I, I really don't understand how that's even possible. Um, and so, yeah, maybe that's part of it too. You've got some experience under your belt that you can draw upon after, you know, say move into your thirties and are, are no longer um, really uh, indulging as much for me as well. My twenties was just like a, a lot of far out exploration. And I told myself, I'm about to turn 31 in a couple of weeks. I told myself, um, you know, now I have to implement all the crazy things I've seen. Now it's time to put it to work. Um, to hang up the phone after getting the message. I think Alan Watts said that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks. So this is a good conversation. There's some, some good chat going on here in the, the zoom as well. Um, Naima says the natural substances have their time and place. Approaching it with consciousness is key. I've been called towards them a few times on this journey and I understood why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Approaching them with consciousness is key. And Violet says here, I know Brent is going to answer, but per Sid's question, I can say that I totally could not handle microdosing at all following my spontaneous awakening. I've become so sensitive physically and energetically, even tiny amounts of plant medicine would trigger a huge energetic reaction. I struggle with kriyas and overwhelming bliss states as it is. While the desire to MD persists, I know I literally could not handle it. Very interesting. Yes. You know, what's, what's actually interesting to me. And I'm curious if anybody else has had this experience, just holding the physical substance, I would get intoxicated, um, in very strange ways as this process began to uh, get more, uh, um, amplified, just holding it, I would start to trip. Um, I, I think I've, I've read a little bit online where a few people mentioned something like this, but it doesn't seem that common, but I'm curious if anybody else here has had a, an experience like this. Brian says the psychedelics. Had, Go ahead, Naima. Oh, yeah, no, I was just gonna say I've had something, I don't know, not exactly like that. Um, but 
like if I I don't know like I still hang around people you know and so like I'm not smoking marijuana but there'd be people around me who were and I would they like they were hot I would just feel (laughs) high like I wasn't you know smoke ingesting it but like or if I'm like focused on someone and I'm just picking up on them like I would get I would start feeling you know high on marijuana so not not exactly but like just touching them but I can I can see how how that would be a thing for sure yeah yeah the contact high amongst other people I mean we get contact highs uh, as empaths right you all sorts of emotions and stuff and and yeah the contact high being around people that are uh, in altered states of consciousness for sure very valid thing Um, Brian here says the psychedelics blew my ego to bits my kundalini awakened my Kundalini awakening happened during a trip. Zero out of 10. Don't recommend laughing my ass off. <laughs> Naeem is adding here. I listen to my body with substances and I'm consciously aware of my interactions with them and ask why. Great. Tom says regarding LSD, see Be Here Now by Baba Ram Das, Richard Alpert, PhD. Learn what happened to his guru when he took a dose large enough for 10 people of pure clinical LSD. A wonderful read. Violet saying here, didn't nothing happen, if I remember, because he was already in a permanent state of shifted consciousness. Yes, nothing happened to him. He just kind of smiled, I think. He just kind of laughed. Nothing happened. But uh, Ram Dass's guru was, uh, I, I, he was an avatar, right? You know, he, he, was, he was something else. Uh, very, very advanced and evolved. And uh, I see Tom's raising his hand here. Maybe he's got something to add. As I recall, what happened was he took that enormous dose and Alpert had, or Ram, Ram Dass, Alpert, uh, had had doubts that the first time he gave him a three-person dose and he had doubts that he actually took it because nothing happens. This time he made a big show of sticking in his mouth and showing that it's in his mouth a 10-person dose and swallowing it, etc. And then stood there and something happened, but he said it had no effect on him because he didn't have an ego to feel, to feel fear with. And what he said was, this is God medicine. This is you Americans like taking pills. So God appeared to you in the form of pills. So that's why you take LSD. Problem is, you can only stay for a few hours. If you want to learn to stay with God, whatever, all the time, learn to meditate. Uh, and that was about the, uh, that was about it. That sort of Ramdas began to, uh, to uh, stop using, uh, using drugs at about that time. Because he tried meditation instead and found that it was a better, a better way for him. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing that, Tom. Really fascinating stories about Ram Das and his guru Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji. Even Ram Das, he describes that uh, in I think at some point on his journey, he he was able to recognize that at the back of his brain there was all sorts of sort of energetic matter that had built up as a result of the excessive LSD use that he had to like process in meditation. So there's a downside to all of this. There's really a downside. There's, you know, we can show us something, but um, there's no free lunch, right? There's no uh, magic pill ultimately that just has no downside. Unless of course, uh, you know, you're, you're Neem Karoli Baba, then you can take as much as you want. <laughs> hey, Brent. Yeah. Last question. It's just uh, uh, it's kind of silly, but I was thinking like you, you never get tired of the Kundalini topic, do you? I mean, this is, I guess, obviously this is your calling, right? So 
Yeah, I, I really don't. Uh, I don't get tired. I think this is just there's nothing else I could con conceive of that would be more interesting than this. And mm -hmm. uh, even when I, you know, say I uh, even when I'm responding to say a, a question or a topic, there's always something fresh that comes through. I can always speak about it in a different angle or or something new just comes out of me. And so it's just like it never gets old. And um, I quite literally can't think of anything else. I can't think of anything else. In fact, I was looking at this diagram of what the Japanese called uh, the concept of the ikigai, you know, a reason for living. And uh, this topic uh, addresses all of the different points. Well, it's second nature to you. So it's like not even almost like it's not even doesn't even feel like a job to you, right? It's just like comes naturally. Flows. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. Yeah, so the ikigai is what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. Oh, and that's so, yeah, it's a really incredible tool if you're looking to discover what your calling, mission, purpose, passion uh, in life is that fits all of those. And, um, you know, I, I've done a bunch of other things that didn't meet all of those, right? And uh, this meets all of those. And I think I'll, I'll I'm, I'm just really grateful that I finally found something that I can really uh, go all in on. And it's this topic. Yeah. Go over here to uh, Violet's question here. Violet says, I have a question about judgments in the witch wound. Does anyone find that Kundalini is treated like something dirty? There are so many misconceptions about Kundalini being this primarily sexual energetic phenomenon and even broaching it with others makes people pretty uncomfortable, which naturally makes me uncomfortable and feel bad, wrong, weird. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it is. Uh, it's the kundalini has to do with every dimension of life right every dimension of life including sex but of course the sexual component became the big deal and now it became associated with like you know uh, you know tantric sex um and all this sort of thing like that and people hear about this and they're like you know what are you talking about like this is too intense it's taboo it's one of those topics that we don't talk about which is of course sex and so they make, you know, others feel like um, um, they shouldn't really broach those topics. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I've experienced this too. Um, even this Tantra itself is like, it's not about sex, but you mentioned Tantra to somebody and they automatically associate it with sex. Um, it, it's just how it goes, right? This is our culture, right? Um, sex is so fascinating to us. And yet it's also something that we would maybe consider taboo or, or, you know, like you're saying here, it's like something dirty. So it's, it's really unfortunate. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good that we can talk about this in a more broader sense and talk about the other dimensions of this path, healing, love, connection, like we were just talking about with Sid, purpose, right? There's so many other dimensions to this journey, not just the sexual component. It's a valid, very, very powerful, valid thing that we should talk about from time to time, but not the only thing, but yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we can, we can, um, you know, clean it up a little bit so it doesn't feel so dirty for some people. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for a great Kundalini after dark meeting here. Really appreciate you all for sharing so openly. So, uh, so honestly, today, it's, uh, it's really been helpful uh, for myself as well, and hopefully uh, for others out there listening. So um, we'll do it again next week, same time, same place. Um, next week, 
I want to talk a little bit about uh, the story behind this ring here, my Kundalini snake ring. Interesting story there. And I want to talk about the one of the worst, most shameful things I've ever done in my life. I want to let you guys know about that. Pretty incredible story, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty bad. I did a pretty bad thing. So uh, so we'll, we'll unpack that together and we'll see if anybody else has some interesting stories that uh, they want to share and whatnot uh, for next week. Um, so uh, you can look out for that um, um, tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, the Kundalini Q&A meeting will be taking place with me on Zoom. So that won't be broadcasted on YouTube, just on Zoom. Um, it's free. You can join. And uh, if you have questions, we'll, we'll, we'll take questions. We'll, we'll see what comes out. And um, uh, I want to invite you once again to check out kundaliniawareness.org. Submit your stories, please. If you're a licensed mental health professional, um, submit an application to the directory. Uh, Colin, please, uh, you mentioned those uh, therapists that you had connected with. If, if they have Kundalini experience, I, I please ask you to you know, share the link with them, get them to submit an application. Um, that would mean a lot uh, to me and the community. If you'd like to meet with me one-on-one -on -one for some uh, support in private, uh, I'm available for that. You can find out at brentspirit.com. Uh, for all those that donate to keep this going, thank you so much. It really, really goes a long way. I'm here to help you. So if you help me, I'm able to help more people and uh, that's how we're going to do it. And uh, I, I really um, I'm so, so grateful to all those that show up here. Even if you have nothing to offer, I appreciate all of your engagement. It means so much more than even a donation, if I can be quite honest, um, because uh, it's just pushing the mission forward uh, to get this, this awareness raised about Kundalini. So that's what we're doing together. So thank you so much. But for those who have, a little bit of change lying around. I can make a donation. I, I really appreciate you. I really, really do. Um, check out the course, Grounded Spiritual Emergence and Integration. If you'd like to support me and uh, get some of my best work there, it is there. And um, I'll catch you next time. All the links are in the description for everything I have to offer. Thank you all so much today for connecting, sharing, supporting one another, discussing the witch wound, really, really deep topic. Thank you.